Can we switch over to um, a topic of the uh, Rock Hudson movie, which is finally streaming? Did you have a chance to look at that? I didn't. Did you watch it? Yeah. What'd you think? I did. Good. Well, they, the idea is to uh, is that the it's it's more of a, a gay man's uh, approach because they're talking to a lot of his ex lovers, uh, who of course are naturally older. You know, they're all a lot of them were born say in the 30s, so they're all in their 80s or 70s, and um, there was the the guys that I was most aware of that Rock Hudson had had a thing with and had, I was seeing is um uh, a guy named mark christian and he is a, a really good looking guy he passed away about 10 years ago but he he was uh with rock hudson when uh, towards the end and apparently uh rock hudson did not tell him directly they were having sex and he did not tell him that he was uh infected with the oh, acquired immune deficiency and he was terrified, of course, naturally, uh, that he was a dead man. He was he was waiting for the for the to hear that he had it also, and he lucked out. He didn't get it, but he was he was so terrified and so upset, and it really threw him. And it was incredibly awful of Rock Hudson not to have just simply told him. But um, anyway, the long and the short is that Mark Christian is not even mentioned in this documentary which is really just kind of a it's it's really made the idea of the of the doc is to make you feel and i honestly did feel uh, a sympathy for what it was like to be heavily closeted in a, at a time in this country uh, the 40s the 50s in particular 60s 70s where basically you were in the closet and you were very careful about things or you were, your your career would really be in trouble well, everybody knew who uh, Rock Hudson was in the Hollywood community for the entire time. And nobody gave a damn because basically he played along and pretended to be this, uh, you know, mm. hunky, uh, great guy, you know, so no problems. And uh, everybody liked him and he was a nice person to, to know, you know, very mellow, very, didn't, he didn't have a lot of personality, but he was, um, you know, a nice guy. So I, I, but I wound up feeling uh, more of an empathy for him after it was over because I was uh, thinking about all the uh, trouble that he went through to hide his life, hide his sexuality. But he didn't, within his realm, he didn't make a huge effort to act like a straight guy if you paid attention. He had a lot of gay parties and they had a, he went on a lot of vacations and, you know, he did a lot, had a lot of fun with boyfriends. Hmm. So that that was kind of interesting, but it didn't seem like he had a horrible life. His the only time that was really dramatic, of course, is when he got sick, which was in '84. That's when he found out, and he was uh, he had passed, I believe, by the summer of '85, or was it September or something like that. And the thing that's the ugliest thing that you see in the whole film is he was in Paris and um, he uh, needed. Uh, better medical access because of the hospitals and people at the time were afraid of any person with AIDS they would they thought perhaps it was catching oh, oh there's also the whole thing about dynasty you know he had a kissing scene with Linda Evans and he didn't tell her either he didn't tell the director he didn't tell anybody and he he said that he used a lot of mouthwash and whatnot before the kissing scene 
but it didn't really look real because he wasn't really kissing her yeah. passionately. He was kissing her to be as uh, discreet or as chaste as possible. He didn't want to have any, you know, saliva, even though that's not really a way to get AIDS. Is saliva? You have to. We found out later it wasn't quite as infectious as all that. Yeah, but it, it's, I just felt for him. I felt for the the difficulty they went through, and uh, I felt that I had gotten to know him a little better at the end of this thing. Uh, as a side note, uh, you look at all these guys that he was with, and you look at the pictures of him when they were young, and he liked guys who were kind of big. Uh, he didn't like small slender cute guys you like guys who had a you know big shoulders and were kind of tall you know people who are mm -hmm. almost like him he was six four and um and I, my thought was jesus he's he was a huge movie star particularly in the 50s and 60s he had to pick at a litter if i were him and i were gay i would i would pick some guys who are a lot prettier than these guys yeah but that's me you know i, mean, I had the same feeling about Kristen Stewart, so some of the women she was seeing, and, and I, was, I was at first made fun of and mocked for this, but I, I felt if I was Kristen Stewart and I had to pick the litter, I would, I would find some real foxes. I would be into lipstick, lipstick, lipstick lesbians, and I would, I would really, uh, you know, use my power to, to get the prettiest ones. But, um, you know, who, what, who am I to say that, you know? Uh, but, yeah. But, if you are at the top of the at the hill, you really do have the opportunity to uh, to, to have your pick of what, whoever you like. So it's it's just the way it works. Well, uh, the best looking ones are never the best ones in bed. I mean, there was a few exceptions, <laughs> present company excluded. I'm just saying, like the That's you know funny. the really really pretty ones, they don't have to work hard. Okay. So they tend to be sort of wet noodles a little bit. Um. So ah, okay. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> I think that when if you're looking for, you know, a rockin' and a rollin', you're not necessarily you know, the kind of people that go for pretty boys are usually the the older kind of guys that aren't that good looking. Um okay. then they like the pretty ones for for whatever reason. Right. But um Yeah, that's mm. interesting. And then that's sad about Rock Hudson. I, I think that's incredibly sad that he had to die that way that was just such a horrible time to live through the aids thing in the 80s it was so sad he was looking for help by the way from the reagans he wanted to uh he wanted some them to help as far as access to a military hospital in paris and um and and to get some way back home because the airlines wouldn't take a person yeah wouldn't allow a person affected and he was forced to rent a, a commercial jet to, at the cost of 240k just to get back from Paris to, to Los Angeles. Yeah, they he was were... so weak at the time. And they didn't help him, the Reagans. They felt it was bad PR for them to... That, that's about as low and shitty a thing as I can imagine a person saying, listen, my image will not be enhanced by my helping you. Well, they so, were sorry, very... Gonna... Yeah, I mean, well, that that's, was the Reagan administration with the AIDS crisis. They absolutely abandoned the gay community. And I was thinking... Um, that we're living through something similar right now because what happened with the gay mm -hmm. community, and, and forgive me if there are any gay listeners and you think I sound really stupid because I don't know the history, entirely possible, uh, but this is as far as I know, Stonewall riots mm -hmm. in 1969 where there were like drag queens mm -hmm. and trans people and gay people had a huge um, yeah. revolution basically, and, and that kicked off the gay rights movement 
in the, through the seventies. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of, lot of sex, a lot of wild abandoned sex, a lot of out and out, out and proud gay movement. A lot like right. what we saw at this month's pride. Um, very sort mm-hmm. of bacchanalia of the 1970s, very. And, and then Reagan came in and um, coincided with the AIDS, say AIDS epidemic. And it really did push, mm-hmm. you know, it really did bring usher in homophobia, fear of gay people. And it took them a really long time to rebuild their movement after that. And, um, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's, you know, as you know, I'm, I'm conservative friendly because I can't stand what's happened to the left. I'm not a conservative, but if I had to mm-hmm. warn them about anything, this is what I would warn them about. Remember 1980, because you're headed right into yeah. that because you pulled the country too far to the left and you freaked everybody out. And, um, and yeah. no, people don't want to live like that. It's too freaky. It's too hard to accept little kids that, you know, so that's what I feel like we're mm-hmm. headed for something similar to that right now. We're feeling, I'm feeling yeah. a pendulum shift again. It's not going to be as bad as it was in the eighties, but I think homophobia is going to come roaring back. We'll see. That's another thing that our friend Andrew Sullivan made. He says that homophobia is has resurged because of trans people and influencing little kids and yeah. the idea of hormone blocks and other medical means. Oh God, means no, that's or not. Mining. Yeah. No, I'm I'm so and morally. That's, that's... Yeah, I, I will and not I'm vote. Afraid for... Well, I actually go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I I, I won't vote for any politician that is for that. So I will only, and I haven't mm-hmm. heard from Robert F. Kennedy Jr. how he stands on it. Um, but at the moment, you know, I feel like that's the most important thing that has to be legislated by the government. They have to ban it. They can't keep doing this. Right. That's the only thing right. that, that is a hard line for me is that they can't be giving puberty blockers yes. and cross sex hormones to 16 year olds. Look, when you're 14 and you're 16, you don't know what your life is going to be. You don't know who you are yet. Yeah. It takes your brain has to mature before you understand all that. So anyway, we're not going to get off on another tangent, mm-hmm. but just to say that, yeah, the Reagans I were. Agree with the Reagans. I think most vast majority of people understand that that the kids should be left the hell alone. Yeah, and it's never going to be pleasant for them. There's going to be emotional upheavals, and it's never a happy time. I was deeply. Tremendously unhappy as a teenager, and it had nothing to do with my gender. It happened. It had to do with the fact that I was. I, I think that there's something about just 14, 15, 16, 17. It's a very difficult time. There's only one thing that makes it tolerable. That's the camaraderie and the closeness that you have with certain friends, mm. and with music, of course, and you know, being able to have adventures and that sort of thing. Otherwise, it's a brutal time. They get so much uh, love and attention for being trans from everybody, from, as you can see, from our culture, from our president. They get so much attention yeah. and protection and love. They're treated in a way they never would be otherwise. And that's very powerful, very yeah. seductive thing to get into, especially if you're a sad teenager who is nobody. Dylan Mulvaney yeah. was nobody before Dylan Mulvaney became a trans woman. Nobody. Nobody cared about a gay boy. And um, and once he became trans, he's a, he's suddenly an icon, a martyr, a you know almost a religious figure, as they all are. That's how they're treated, and so it is a powerful thing, and it's really hard to to pull back from the brink. But I would suggest people watch some videos of detransitioners, 
women who have woken up in their mid-20s and are like, what did I do to myself? And I see some of them and mm-hmm. I just, I was watching them, I was just crying because I was like, I do not want to live in a country that is allowing this to happen to children. And they were, yeah. they're these beautiful young women trying to come back to being women, trying to kick the, you know, they have hair growing all over their body. They have no more boobs because mm-hmm. their boobs are removed. Some of them had hysterectomies. And they're like, you know, I don't know what I was thinking. They put me through this thing too fast and I wish someone had stopped it. So look, right. uh, anyway, but that, that, all of that to say that, yes, the Reagans were terrible with the AIDS epidemic and terrible yeah. to gay people and homophobic, so homophobic that he wouldn't even help Rock Hudson, his friend, in a time mm-hmm. of need like that. It was really, that's not a very, that's terrible. The people who showed heart and, and, and compassion, of course, were well, Elizabeth Taylor was one. Uh, but she had always been a, uh, a compassionate woman as far as her gay friends were concerned, as far as Montgomery Cliff and whatnot. Um, so she comes off as a very humane and decent person. Yeah. Oh, she um, does. Do they? Reagan's come off awful people. Awful people. Yeah. Do they really. show? Um, do they show Princess Diana hugging the AIDS patient? Because that was that was a really big turning point, I think, in the perception of of AIDS. Was that Princess Diana went into the hospital and she very famously hugged someone who had AIDS, and they, they see that. I remember as... that very, very clearly. But I believe that uh, she didn't even get married to Charles until 82 or 83. Um, I don't recall that her, that that episode happened before 85. The movie ends with Rock Hudson's death in 85. So, oh, no, yeah. it does not mention, you know. Yeah, that was a it's, wild, uh, that was a wild era to live through. Really sad. I, I knew a guy... And this is what I try to explain to people. Like, I went to high school in the 80s in Ojai, California, and nobody uh-huh. could even come out. You could not even come out then. My, one of my good friends was gay. He was obviously gay. Everybody knew he was gay. But you just weren't, mm-hmm. you know, you, that wasn't acceptable. And so his father was like the football coach, and his father didn't accept that he was gay, and he ended up dying of AIDS. And at his funeral, his dad never said what he died of, never acknowledged that he was gay. You attended the funeral? No, but that's what I heard. I'm asking you. No, you no. attend? Okay. No, we, 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 none of his friends were invited. You know. Oh. Um, but, well, that's, that's another awful thing, okay? Yeah, but that his was... friends were invited to go funeral? My God. No, because there was this Only idea... Yeah, the father was so upset um, and, and in denial about his son. And wouldn't yeah. accept that he was that he was um, gay, and and so and that he died yeah. of AIDS. And it took him a long time. How old was he? He was, you know, mid twenties by then. Okay. Young. He was young. He died young. Um, and that was okay. the thing is like so much of that homophobia stopped them being able to research AIDS, um, help people with AIDS, warn people mm-hmm. with AIDS. Mm-hmm. You know, it just it. Under the Reagan administration, it was just, it was negligent, you know. Yeah. Um, anyway, boy, this is a bummer podcast, huh? We're, we're gonna, I'll, I'll cut out some of that stuff about the trans stuff. I know people probably hate it when we talk about that. Um, I, don't, uh, I, don't, I don't think you should cut out anything about us talking about how it's horrific that children are brought into or encouraged to 
change their biology or their makeup or, or take hormone blockers or anything. Uh, I think that's something that you should stand by and, 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 and say very clearly in this podcast. I don't, I don't agree with Well, I'm, I'm actually, I, I am ready to take, take this fight on, and I don't care what they do to me. They can call me a turf. They can scream at me. As long as they don't actually, like, kill me, show up at my door and shoot me. There's nothing <laughs> that, um, you know, I, I wouldn't put it past some of these crazy people. But, yeah, they're going to call movie studios and, you know, try to get them not to advertise and stuff like that. And maybe they will. Yeah. Maybe the movie studios will be cowardly and they will go along with that. But I still think it's worth it. I'm not going to stay silent on something like this. Yeah. yeah. If I see one more of those poor little kids. There is such a thing as transgender, but most of these people we see that are gay men who are either, mm-hmm. you know, drag or transvestites, very tiny, teeny, tiny percentage of them are transsexuals, an even smaller amount on the female side. And it's a social yeah. contagion and it has to stop. So everybody has to stand up to it or they're going to be. Um... Oh, and by the way, one last thing on this. Yes. I was researching the eugenics movement, and uh, one thing I didn't know about the eugenics, like we all understand that it was a terrible, disgraceful, horrible thing that they did. It was racist. In the South, they tried to um, eradicate black people through sterilization that they used um, for this. People who had mental disabilities, they would they would sterilize them. And all these really famous people. Oh, can you tell me what, what, what time period this happened? This is right around the, this is um, the last progressive period. So it was right around the turn of the century into the 20s. And okay. even the 30s. And what stopped it was Hitler and World War II. Um, because Hitler, you know, was Mr. Eugenics, right? That was the whole thing of the Nazis. They sterilized all kinds of people. And then the Americans had praised the Nazis for this, by the way. They don't want to talk about it, but they did. And really famous people, too, like Roosevelt, right? FDR, Winston Churchill. Um, It was talked about at the World's Fair. It was celebrated. Um, It was taught in... I know that that the Nazi party was behind sterilizations of, of undesirables, including politically undesirable not just people not just gay people but people who were political you know uh, sterilizing certain jewish families etc absolutely but are you saying that that is synonymous that that is what eugenics is about sterilization yes that's what eugenics that is what eugenics is there's a new yorker story about it as with everything you have to go back to pre-woke journalism to find the good stories because post-woke journalism on eugenics they only focus on racism. Okay. Because that is a terrible part of it. But to do that, they, you have to look at it a different way. They weren't, the racists in the South were using it for that reason, just like Hitler was using it for that reason, just to ethnically cleanse the genome. But people like okay. FDR and Churchill, they believed yeah. back then because it was, wasn't that far off of Darwin's theory of evolution that there was a survival of the fittest. People like Churchill and FDR thought they were enhancing or improving the, the human race by breeding, through selective breeding, the way you do with border collies, right? And they, they went yeah. for this. And you got to read that New Yorker story. There are documentaries on it. It's really interesting. But I see that as similar to this trans thing 
And I think it will be regarded the same way in the future. I think people will look okay. back on this as just as insane as they did the eugenics movement, which you know was praised and went on for years, and they thought it was a good way to improve the human race. They didn't see it as bad. Now, of course, we see it as right. like one of the worst things that ever happened in our history. I'll send you the link. It's, okay. It's in the, it's, I have the New Yorker app. Is it, is, is the word eugenics in the title of the, of the piece? Yeah, but it's, you have to like go back to the one from like 2015 because nothing that you look at now. I call it appeared eight years ago. That's what you're telling me about? I'm going to say, no, well, it's 2016. I think this is the one. Let me send it to you. Seven um, years ago? The Forgotten Lessons of the American Eugenics Movement. It's really, really interesting. Um, here comes the link. I'm sending it to you right now. But it's sad yeah. that, like, if you if you look at anything post-2016, it's all going to be focused on the woke perspective. So you have to go okay. back further. But um, but it's yeah, it's right. fascinating, this, this article. Um, I, I was surprised when I yeah. first heard the documentary about it that, that it had happened at all. Like, you just don't hear much about it, you know? Uh, it's not talked about a lot, but, but it, you know, the thing that's amazing about it was how they praised the Nazis for it when the Nazis were first starting before Hitler, you know, became, a, before Hitler was Hitler. Yeah. But, um, and they right. thought, oh, this is really great. This is so smart. We're going to build them smarter and faster. And, you know, we're going to eradicate the disabilities. And right now in the uh, transgender movement, there's a high percentage of people with autism, like 30%. A lot of the autistic kids are being put into this trans thing and theoretically becoming sterilized. Now, it's not that far of a leap of logic to think that this would be some way to eradicate autism from the human genome. Uh, just make them think they're trans and sterilize them so they can't reproduce. I know that's not what they're doing, obviously, but I'm what? saying somebody in the future could easily accuse them of that. You know, in the next great awakening, when they punish everybody for the past. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Listen, we've got some great movies coming up. We've got the, oh, you didn't talk yeah. about Mission Impossible. Are you allowed to talk about it or are you still under embargo? Well, I mean, it's uh, the embargo for the review is July 5th. I've, I, I met, everybody's mentioned that they're delighted with it. And... <clears throat> I didn't uh, say anything about the overall, about how it's set up, but every, every well-made uh, thriller, which is what this is, it's a great chase thriller, exciting espionage and whatever. And it, but the interesting thing that I, I mentioned very briefly is that there is an emphasis on humor in the ac within the action. They're always throwing in stuff to, for you to laugh at in a, in a, the humor is uh, is partly in how the action is shot. There's a, there's a chase scene in in Rome that reminded me of a Buster Keaton's uh, sequence hmm. in The General, or or you know, it's it's very very amusing. It's it's not like a you know, I mean they they decided to to try to make you uh, have fun with it in a sense of literally laughing and chuckling as it's happening, which is I, I really enjoyed that aspect. Um, mm. there is a, all, all, all thrillers will calm down in the middle because they'll decide you need to, you can't have a constant adrenaline 
coursing through your system. You need to relax and listen to people talking. You need to maybe be reminded that people have feelings and they have, you know. So this film does that also. It kind of calms down when they're in Venice, Italy. And I was very relieved that they didn't, you know, have a chase scene on the canals or the motorboats. I've seen that before. And I've seen uh, monsters uh, duking it out in the, in the canals of Venice. And I was thinking, what an ugly thing. Americans come along and they have monsters fighting each other in the canals of Venice, Italy. I said, that, that's one of the ugliest things. Anyway, it's very nice to, to not have to constantly be adrenalized by this film. But the finale, which has already been spoken about quite, quite a lot, it's set in Austria. And it's all... Um, it's all you can see it coming from a mile away, and it, and you're you you immediately cut it slack in terms of the believability aspects. But it's a smart film, and they don't make you accept stupid or uh, completely unbelievable things. But they uh, once again they do do it with a sense of humor, and the humor is very much appreciated. I had a mm. really good time uh, watching it the entire time. The the last. Uh, 25, 30 minutes, it's just astonishing. And um, I was delighted with how effective it was. And I would see it again in a, in, in, a, in a heartbeat, no question. In fact, I haven't even bought a ticket to see it, but I loved watching it on a big screen at the AMC Empire. Uh, it was not an IMAX um, aspect ratio. It was a, it's a widescreen film, but it was it, it's lovely seeing it in a big theater with a big screen i oh, wouldn't yeah. advise seeing it you know don't stream it uh don't see it in a in a shoebox theater see it in a, in a decent sized theater because it really does um, feel good to see a real movie re that really knows how to give you a good time so, yeah um i told my daughter like if you're gonna pay to see any movie go see that one because yeah that's the yeah. one to see on the big screen although you know i didn't mind sitting there and watching um Indiana Jones. I found out that I I'm an AMC Stubbs member, which means that I've been you paying. Found that out? Did you? <laughs> I I forgot that I so was. <laughs> so okay. I went on there and I bought a ticket and it was free because I haven't used it. Yeah. You know, so I got this free right. ticket. So you know, then yeah. I I just wish if movies were better, I'd use it all the time. Um, mm -hmm. But my time is more precious. Yeah, I'm than... a Stubbs person. I I go quite a lot. In fact, I, and I can use the Stubbs even in Manhattan naturally. Uh, so it's the AMC uh, Lincoln Square, and there's there's a few around town. So it's so it's nice, nice being a sub person. Yeah, um, I mean, I I didn't hold it against them that they ban that they buckled under those activists and dropped that movie. I didn't really put the two and two together because I I really like my local AMC theater, and I wouldn't give them up anyway. But I I did think about writing them a letter, which I probably should do. And Not saying what? And saying you know because remember they they. They were going to show that movie No Way Back, the the um the movie that was about the detransitioners, and then the activists all got oh, together, yeah, 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 and pressured sure. them to take it down, and they buckled to the activists. So they immediately buckled. That's right. Yeah, yeah, and there wasn't a big outcry of protest against them to boycott, um, which there should have been, but I didn't really think about it. I just got the movie and went, but I wouldn't boycott them anyway because I don't want them to go away. I actually like that movie theater. Mm -hmm. So, um, on, is it a big plex on Laurel Canyon somewhere? Or, yeah, or, it's it's, it's down in the Burbank Town Center. Um, but they have those 
yummy seats that oh that one oh that i've been to that there that's that's quite a that's quite a zoo that place yeah. that is a lot of people streaming in and out it's right in the middle of the there used to old, be you know if you want to go ahead i'm sorry there used to be it's it's you know it took a hit with covid but um you know they have those dolby seats where you you know those seats that you can lay back little extend back and you have a foot rest you know those really nice seats i don't know if you've ever been to a theater that has those I, I saw it. I saw it in one of those seats that not only you can lay back in, but vibrates and 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 generates bass tones whenever there's any kind of action. So oh, uh, I, I can feel it. So, yeah. Well, I hope that they. I hope movie theaters survive. So I'm actually rooting for them. Um, but uh, anyway, so that's that's coming out. Barbie's coming out. I guess Barbie is supposedly tracking very well. Whatever that means. Um, they're saying that it's it's like it's going to do seventy or eighty. It's going to do about thirty million minimally larger, more more business than the directly competing um, um, Oppenheimer. Right. Uh, they're calling it Barbenheimer, uh, <laughs> and it's a uh, you know there's no question that 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 Barbie is going to be uh, you know a more popular thing. And like I've been saying over and over again that the people that are going to see Barbie, it's always, the tracking has been identified as absolutely an under 35 female, almost entirely a female audience. Not yeah. that some guys aren't going to go out of curiosity or because you get dragged by the date, but it's a female show and it's all under 35. So it's basically younger millennials and Zoomers, which are a little bit surprising to me because I would have thought that the, I don't know how widespread uh, Barbie is uh, has been, among Zoomers when they were younger, but my impression is that Barbie was more of a little girl thing, you know, 30, 40 years ago. I guess not. Or maybe they're, they're just attracted to the idea that it's all pink and it's all, uh, you know, lavish and, 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 and very colorful and, you know, kind of geared to, to women who like beautiful things. I, I don't know. Yeah. You, I think that's what it is. Your I think daughter it, it just looks like a hyped up summer movie and i think people just really want there to be a hyped up summer movie that they're ready to see that has a pretty you know margot robbie in the lead yeah. i um for me it's put it's put me off slightly because of its like you call it the <laughs> you call it maoist <laughs> that's like the best way to put it like that part about it puts me off a tiny bit so that i'm not actually excited to see it i'll suffer through it i'll force myself to watch it i hope that it has some fun things about it you know um well a movie like this you know what it's going to be like it's going to be pure distraction and fun and synthetic uh you know synthetic uh, allure in the first half but she's going to have a second act realization uh you know things get deeper a little little more contemplative meditative and she's going to have this uh kind of awakening thing in the third act where she doesn't want to be a shallow right. uh, pink uh, you know, a little dumb doll living that isolated uh, life, and she wants to engage with the world and become, you know, that's what the whole thing is. So that's what the third act is going to be about. And I'm sure it's going to come with some difficulty. And maybe I understand that she drops Ken. Uh, they're they're together, I guess, not as a sexual couple, but as a couple. And I guess that Ken doesn't uh, turn on the way she does, or something. Well, he's and obviously. Ken's obviously gay. They're not going to not make Ken gay. He'll be gay. No, no, I'm just saying that apparently she and he are, you know, soul mates. 
in the beginning, and I, that uh, I, I don't know this. I'm just I'm discerning or, or gathering that 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 she has the awakening, not Ken in the film. Right. Shocking. <laughs> I'm shocked. And, uh, and Margot Robbie. There's a line that when she finally read the script, Margot Robbie, who's a, a producer on this, she said to herself, "They're not going to let us make this because you know it's not it's not." doing a synthetic Barbie thing all the way through. It, 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 it moves into deeper, more interesting territory. So. Well, I like the deeper, more interesting territory. I, I'm not so fond of the woke stuff, but um, I yeah. feel like yeah. that, that, you know, we make fun of China or whatever, but that, that is very similar to the, to these, you know, the silly movie that's driving a, a social message or whatever. But I right. have to hope right. that Greta Gerwig and, and Noah Baumbach aren't going to do that. I have to hope that it'll, there'll be some intelligence to it. You know, I guess we'll see. But uh, Greta Gerwig is, uh, is a uh, woman who wants to really make something that, that, that amounts to something. She's not some, you know, uh, person who's into diversion for its own sake. She, she's, she's the real deal. She really tried, as I tried to say to her in that letter about little women, she really tried to do something interesting and different. And she didn't want to just be a blind loyalist of Louisa May Alcott. Uh, but um, my, my attempts to flatter her and to tell her that I respect her as a filmmaker came to naught. Anyway, the long and the short is that I, uh, I don't think she's, uh, she would ever make just a, a dumb Barbie movie. This is a, supposedly a, you know, a smart one. And uh, a socially conscious, socially you know, progressive one, I guess. We'll see. Obviously. Well, she she really uh, like you know she has a huge fan following on Twitter yeah. and and a baked in fan base. They love her. They love Lady Bird, you know. And so yeah. she's definitely going to get, um, you know, she'll do well. She she has her fan base intact. Yeah. She could basically make anything, yeah. as we saw with Little Women, and people will like mm -hmm. it, you know. Yeah, mm -hmm. be, be, you know, beware to to dare to say anything against any of those movies. You'll get viciously attacked. Uh, so you know, whatever. I'm 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 more excited about Oppenheimer, even though Oppenheimer. You know, I don't know how it's going to relate to the same people who to the young people. I don't know how they're going to get people to go to want to go see this movie. They're not going to want to go see it because it's not. It, it, um, fear or concern about atomic energy and possibly some horrific, uh, you know, massacre of people with the atomic bomb. That that happened 75, 77 years ago. Even for boomers, it's something that they don't really feel as acutely as, as they once did. I mean, boomers were, as you know, uh, very very mindful of the possibility of nuclear Armageddon in the 50s and 60s, particularly during the Cuban Missile Crisis. But we really haven't had that part of our, part of the culture. It's not really meditated or thought about it to any great degree. Because uh, I know that there's always the potential of something horrible going wrong and Vladimir Putin deciding, fuck it, I'm, I'm going to lose this war anyway. I'm going to cause so much havoc by and I'm going to explode a limited nuclear device in Ukraine or something. God, God forbid. But mm. I know that's out there, but I don't think people believe that it's something they have to really be concerned about, uh, not in a big way. So that's that's why I think it's only tracking to make about 40 million the first weekend, which
which isn't bad, given no, I, that it's black and white. You know. Right. I feel like the the problem with it is that Christopher Nolan does have a brand, and his brand is these kind of effects movies. These these trick of the, you know, I, they're they're like you know mind twisters. All of them. And they're heavy on effects. And and this movie isn't going to be that because it can't be. So if it is just a bunch of people sitting around talking, you know, about the bomb or the court case or whatever it is, it's going to be a movie I like personally, but maybe not a movie that like my favorite Christopher Nolan movie is Insomnia. Um, Me too. I love that film. I do too. I and love that it. And, and, the, and the Guy Pierce movie. Um, Memento. Memento. That was wonderful. Yeah. I like yeah. his movies that are more gr- rooted in human beings rather than visual effects. Yeah. But I especially love, yeah. I think Insomnia is like a perfect thriller. Um, yeah. I love watching it. I love Al Pacino yeah. in it. I love Hilary Swank in it. I just love the whole movie. In fact, I think I'll watch that today. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it in a while. Right. Um, so, anyway, yeah. Yeah. that's. It. I'm happy that we have a summer movie situation. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we've already run out the clock on this, but I did want to talk briefly about um, the te- possible Telluride movies that are coming. Um, I, oh, by all means. Okay, so this guy, you know, you know, uh, Michael Patterson, my friend Michael Patterson, he writes this. He's always he's always uh, early on in the uh, project projecting the Telluride movies. Yes. Uh, and what is he saying right now? So I just clicked on his site to see, and here's what he has. Uh, oh, wait, he has, he says, World of Real Jordan Ruimi has updated his list of Venice possibilities. And so his current predictions, Michael's current predictions for Telluride would be um, El Conde, El Conde, Pablo Lorraine, Poor Things, Lanthimos, a movie called Strangers. Wait a minute. What's the Pablo Lorraine thing about? Briefly, say again. That's just the name of the movie. I don't know what it's about. What's it about? I don't know. Ten words or. <laughs> I think it's a. I think it's a vampire movie. Okay. I think it's a vampire movie. Um. Oh, all right. Let's see if it's that's what it's called. Uh, Pablo Lorraine. Yeah, it's a um, vampire political satire. Okay. Cool. That's what he calls it. And then poor things, Yorgos Lanthimos, and um, oh, um, that is a uh, that's a Frankenstein movie, basically. Yeah, I can't. That looks really good. I'm excited about that. Yeah, it looks really good. Looks um, like a, like it's really, you've got something going. So you know, she uh, is uh, um um the the the, the Frankenstein figure, uh, played by. Um, are you gonna leave Emma, me hanging here? Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 it looks uh, fascinating, you know. She's uh, she does a lot of traveling around with guys who are interested in her sexually, because her mentality or her mind is only that of an infant when she is created. So there, she's very easily exploitable, I guess. Um, anyway, I'm sure there's also it's all sorts of metaphors worked into this thing, but it sounds like a pretty good film. I just want to reiterate, by the way, once again how distressed and sorry I am that we will not be seeing Woody Allen's film um, Coup de Chance uh, which is uh, going to be most likely, uh, we've read that it's most likely going to debut in Venice 
And the reason we are not going to see uh, coup de chance at Telluride and certainly not Toronto is because of the monsters won't let a Woody Allen film be shown and they'll make this whole awful thing happen if uh, if he were selected. And they would, uh, you know, it's just a movie, you know, it's a movie about uh, an affair that goes wrong. And, you know, the old high school friends get together and before you know it, they're seeing each other on the slide. You know, it's not a, a propaganda movie. It's not a it, it movie. Woody Allen has made some excellent films. This is allegedly in the vein of Matchpoint. Matchpoint is just Matchpoint. It's a, it's a, it's a movie about luck and about how bad people get away with things uh, if they are uh, if they are lucky. And 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 luck is a, an integral element in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, life is unfair, as JFK once said, and it. it be very unfair in the favor of, of bad people. So anyway, that's that's a fascinating thing, but they're not going to show it. And I hate that the monsters are like this. Oh, God, really? They, they're uh, not going to show it? That's terrible. Well, it's not, not Telluride. I mean, I'll be shocked if... if oh, Telluride. But, but you said they're showing it still at Venice, right? Oh, no, it's going to be shown from what I read in Variety. Uh, it's, it's The speculation is that it's... Probably it has been invited. It'll probably be shown. Now, Woody, of course, has to accept the invitation. If he's going to make a movie, that uh, why would he want to be afraid of going to Venice? Why would the why would he do that? I don't know, but I hope that he. But, I really hope that he does. I really think he should just come back out and, and show the movie. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so so the other movies that Michael has on here are Poor Things, and then a movie called Strangers. Uh, Let's see. I don't know what that is. He only has the last name, so I don't know these. A lot of the Telluride movies are are what I would categorize as obscure. Um, but let's see what it is. It's Strangers. Um, no headliners. No big movies. Well, let's see. Oh gosh, I I am not the. Does person. he have my favorite film from Cannes? Uh, uh, Le Palafieu. Is that? Going to be it there? Does, not on his list, but who knows? Um, and then he says maybe it'll be a movie called Strangers by someone named Hay, with the last name Hay H A I G H. He doesn't put the first name, so I don't know. Um, maybe Priscilla, okay. uh, Priscilla Sofia Coppola, The Royal Hotel by someone named Green, Saltburn, um, and then he says Outside Shot Maestro yeah. Bradley Cooper, The Captain by Garone uh fingernails and then drive away dolls that's just his maybe list and then he he links to greg elwood has another list that says likely zone of interest close maestro the maestro maestro bradley cooper in the mix anatomy of a fall may december saltburn curious the bike riders, the book you're, of you're rushing through these titles that people don't know anything about. What I don't know anything about them either. These are all like fringe indie movies that they're gonna showcase at okay. Telluride. Um, so Anatomy of a Fall, May December, Saltburn, and then Curious, meaning he doesn't know what's gonna happen with these. The bike riders, the book of Clarence, the boys in the boat. Freud's Last Session, Foe, The Holdovers, finally a movie that we know. The Holdovers. And then a movie called... Alexander Payne. Yeah, and then a movie called Night Bitch. A movie called Nyad, which stars Annette Bening. A movie called okay. Perfect Days. And then The Pot of Foo, the one you want. 
Anyway, so blah, Elwood blah, blah. mentions Apollo too, right? Gregory Elwood mentions it as a possibility. So, um, in other words, he doesn't know anything. He's just saying that. You know, I was uh, I would tell, I would just add that I was extremely depressed to read that uh, the Father Fear has been acquired by IFC Films, which has a lot of good titles. But what they always do is they acquire these films that people are so excited about in Cannes, and then they do nothing with them in terms of the fall award season. They wait for the for economic purposes to open them in say February or March, uh, they, in, the, in the doldrums period, after the Oscar period has uh, ended, and before the spring summer season kicks up, it's strictly for economic reasons, because it's more economical to promote them. And I, I'm terrified that IFC films will under promote, and I mean, the, the Pot of Fuel is a, is a absolute hit, it's not just a good movie. It's a hit that people will tell each other to see. And it's, uh, it's like the greatest foodie movie of the 21st century. And it will make you want to go to a, to a great restaurant after it's over. It's just wonderful. Uh, and I just hope that they don't smother it or do nothing, which is what they do. They, they, let, they let movies die. And then when they have no buzz and it's been months and months it's been seen by the major people in the festival, then they open it as quietly as possible and then it goes to streaming yeah that's what's gonna happen they don't spend a big big amount on that um so anyway michael patterson says that he doesn't think the holdovers both him and jordan are saying that they don't think the holdovers are is going to go to telluride they think it's it's going to skip telluride and go right to toronto so that would suck (laughs) why would that be uh why would alexander Alexander Payne goes to tell you right himself. You know that, right? Well, you He's know a fan that, of that. Yeah, exactly. But you know that 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 uh, you know that that, that Toronto has been putting on the hard sell with filmmakers to not go to Telluride, right? They've been cock blocking Telluride for quite a few years now, saying that if you play Toronto, if you play Telluride, you can't play Toronto, and so they figure. Toronto. Oh, I don't think that is. What they've said is that if you play Telluride, you can't play Toronto for the hot period of the first five days. I don't believe they've ever said you can't go there at all. Yeah, but most of them want a bigger launch at, at Toronto than they do at Telluride. That's just the yeah, way it so is. They want- if they have to choose, they're going to pick. And I don't blame them for that, actually, because Toronto's just a much bigger market. Um, but... So anyway, we don't know what's going to be going. None of this. I'm reading his thing here, and uh, Jordan or Greg? It's it's Michael Patterson. He's got a listing of everybody that's back, written. Now we're back to Michael Patterson. Okay. No, got no, it. but he's okay. he's put all these people on his post. Greg Elwood, Jordan, and all these okay. other people that he's linked to of people that have that okay. are speculating about right. what might go to Telluride. Right. Okay. Um, and. Uh, None of the ones that I'm seeing on here look all that interesting to me. I hope it's not another one like last year where it was just a total big zero. And, and then, Do I understand that you, Sasha Stone, are telling me that you don't find the idea of the Alexander Payne's film and Bradley Cooper's Maestro to be interesting? I, well, I'm not seeing that those are strong bets to go to. If they, Yes, if they went there, I'd be happy about that. But it doesn't look like the, the ones that they're saying 
that are going to go don't look that interesting to me. And the ones that are saying maybe we'll go always look interesting. That's always how it is with Telluride. Last year's was really disappointing, I thought. And and I also hated how all these these high status critics moved in to Telluride last year, like David Ehrlich and Justin Chang, and then they killed Empire of Light, and I didn't like that. Yeah, like that bothered me. I don't yeah. like they just came in and moved in, and then they decided to kill this movie. And if they hadn't been there, you know, that movie would have had a much better chance in the Oscar race, I think. And remember, they also talked about what a godsend, what a absolute rhapsodic triumph uh, uh, the women sitting in the barn and talking with you <laughs> should have been called women sitting in the barn talking <laughs> that should have been the title well, why am i not why am i not even remembering what it's it just called. women it talking called... women talking women talking okay <laughs> anyway uh, that was a uh, that was a downer of a movie and and i was myself uh some people that i spoke to on the street to tell you right like, what the fuck was that and, and i you know reported that I, it's, it's really the average people going to tell you you are not that thrilled with this movie but boy with the justin changs yeah and the and the david ehrlichs were like oh this is wonderful everybody has to see it it's going to be an oscar thing it's it wasn't you know it, it was a it was a you know yes she wound up with a it had oscar to like yeah it had to limp along they had to pressure everybody and guilt trip them into voting for it. That's how it ended up yeah. getting in. Just like Little right. Women, same thing happened with that. Um, yeah. yeah. But I like Sarah Pauly. She's a nice person. And, um, it, you know, that, 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 that bugs me that those guys, those critics are, are so influential in the Oscar race. It bothers me a lot. Because they don't, I mean, no offense, but they don't really know what they're doing in terms of the Oscars. They, they don't need to pull the Oscars into the film critics realm. It doesn't really need to be there. It shouldn't be there. They have all their own film critics awards for that. The Oscars have to be slightly more, um, uh, less elitist, in my opinion, to be worthy and worthwhile. And, um, and so I think that they've made an excellent case for the proposition that uh, elite critics who go to film festivals are, I would say, 70, 80% completely divorced from average hoi values in terms of what people want to see. They just are an echo chamber. They, they, they write reviews for the, each other and for what the, exactly. you know, the, the elite uh, want to see. And they're completely, if, if they, they like something and they're going crazy for it, you really have to take two steps back and wonder if you want to see it because these people are completely nuts. I, and I, I have no film. Truer words were never spoken when you said they write reviews for each other. That is so true. And, you know, look, I, I used to belong to the cinema group way back in the 90s online, and that's all we did was write reviews for each other, and it was fun. And I think it's really yeah. fun for them to do that, but it's killing the Oscars. It's just yeah. killing them. The more they listen to these guys, they should have not. They should have liked Empire of Light, which was far better than Women Talking. What they said, yeah, yeah. You know, and and uh, maybe oh. I, I just don't think they should have been able to been allowed to kill. Not allowed. They can do whatever they want, but kill a movie before it ever even has a chance to open or anything. They just because they're so high status and they write for these important outlets. 
they could just give it like an like the lowest grade and the harshest review and i know they didn't really mean it they just were doing it because everybody else was praising it and it was a yeah. it was a reaction to that more than it was about the movie itself yeah and it bugged me and it was fascinating that the uh, searchlight people heard that message from the justin chang and the dave ehrlich and they uh, they immediately folded it to the tent yeah they said okay or let's just uh give it a minimal opening and we won't uh, you know we won't embarrass ourselves by not promoting at all but we know what's going to happen and we're finished right so they, and they that. and their their king is Ehrlich like he's at the top of their status he's the high-ranking guy and like everybody sort of bows to him he's like the king primate he's the he's the silverback gorilla and like everybody yeah. else sort of bows to him you know um and they all follow what he says, whatever he thinks. If he likes a movie, they love the movie. If he hates a movie, they hate the movie. Um, right. you, you can set your watch by it. The only hope that you have is if they all happen to see it at the same time and they can't pay attention to what Ehrlich is saying. And then maybe they'll give right. him more. That's so mean, and I know we'll get destroyed for this. I'll have to decide if mm -hmm. I want to leave it in or not. But... Um, yeah, we're gossiping about film critics. That's not very nice. Well, they hate us anyway, so... Mm -hmm. Um, well, I, I I really would like to say openly, calmly, without any particular hang-up on my end, I can't stand them as a group. I, I mean, individually, it's one thing, but as uh, you know, George Carlin once said, you talk to people individually, there's all kinds of magic and music and spirit in, in what they feel, and, and you can see it in their eyes. But when people get into groups, <laughs> uh, all kinds of ugly stuff starts to manifest. And uh, that's what it was, what it is with elite critics. They're, 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 I really despise them. I mean, I really, really despise them. And I hope that uh, people start realizing what they're about and that they, uh, I think they do to a large extent, understand what they're about. So yeah. I just hope that that awareness spreads and it becomes more of a thing because these guys are bad news. They're really bad news. Well, not in terms of like understanding or appreciating great cinema as represented by the classic, uh, you know, filmmakers of the past that they're excellent at. But the as far as gauging the culture and what to get behind in terms of like what what's important for us to celebrate and all that stuff. Boy, they're awful. I just hate them. Well, I, I so, didn't used to feel that way until I saw I mean, I've always. Yeah, the film critics, for the most part. You know, I think that they really do have a too high of a position of power um, and, and a high opinion mm -hmm. of themselves. And I think that um, the thing that really bo bothered me was that Empire of Light thing. I have, I've never seen anybody in the Oscar race do something as destructive as that before. Yeah. Like that yeah. felt, that felt personal. That felt like they were, they had a vendetta to take a movie down. And I just don't agree with that. If you're going to see movies early before they get out, you shouldn't really just go out of your way to destroy a movie. I don't think personally. I mean, unless, you know, the movie's already opened and then say whatever you want. Right. But give it a chance, right. Let it have a, you know, a chance. It was just, it was just being shown to all of us, you know, early people. And then they, they killed this movie. Don't watch this. It's terrible. And, uh, she didn't even get nominated. Well, David Ehrlich, as I recall, he, I'm sure you remember, he didn't just say, well, it's not my 
cup of tea. I don't think people should be that you know excited about it. No, he's, he was um he it was a bad movie. He called it a bad, bad movie. No, he savaged say, something it. Yeah, poorly assembled. Yeah. It was a very angry, ferocious review that he took personally, for some reason. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, it's hard for me to fathom anybody sitting through that movie and coming out feeling that way, unless he really just hates people like us and our praise for yeah. it, and he wants to take us down right. a notch, which is entirely possible. I don't know if he even knows that we. But everybody else followed him, and then the movie died. I just felt really yeah. bad about that. And look, yeah. if it was a terrible movie, I probably wouldn't care that much. But it wasn't a terrible movie. And that was the problem. It wasn't. So much for the, her performance, Olivia Coleman's performance was so... Um, I mean, I believed every single blink of her eye in that movie. It was, it was just so perfectly done on her part. And her supporting cast, the supporting cast was wonderful. The the uh, cinematography was luscious and exquisite. It was so well cut and the music was nice. The whole thing was a very uh, superb uh, mood piece about the 80s. And uh, I believe I be it wasn't, you know, the ending maybe wasn't quite as satisfying or as a kind of, you know, she lost her control of herself and she went back into into care and she came back and she was kind of beaten down or diminished but right it, you know it, it wasn't the greatest ending but it was still you know i understood it was a decent ending but it's also it's like uh, <laughs> sorry go ahead no sorry i didn't mean sorry. to interrupt you i'm sorry go ahead i just say shitting on a movie like this it really didn't work you could say it's maybe not an a plus Maybe it's more of a B plus or maybe an A minus or something. Yeah. Or just shit on it and say it's awful. Ah, those guys are terrible. That it's was, monsters. yeah, because I, you know, someone like my mom, for instance, there are so few movies that she could actually watch, but I could recommend that movie to her because I know that she can sit down yeah. and, and have a full story told about characters that you come to get. You know, was it Drive My Car? No, it wasn't. You know, it was it was emotional. It was, you know, and but her performance was great, and I liked the the message of the guy becoming a projector. I didn't really like the what they have to do, which is they always have to include a person of color and write a whole storyline around them. I thought that he. I think it would have been more honest if if Sam Sam uh, Mendes had, had created a young. He was in his teens at that time, yeah. so that's why. He I, I, I would have, yeah, I would have appreciated more if it was a truthful story in that way of himself. So he didn't have to go and tell the whole story of racism. And that was mm -hmm. a whole side. That was like George Clooney's movie. Like, I felt like they were pressured into putting this in their movies that doesn't really belong there. That's why, that's why the critics went after it, because a white man cannot tell, uh, cannot make a canvas a social uh, recollection piece about racism because white men can't make movies about racism because they are the face of racism so therefore exactly. it has to be condemned they chat on this movie basically. yeah exactly and so they're damned if they do and damned if they don't because if they leave it out they're only making movies about white people and if they put it in then they're you know uh telling a story that they're not allowed to tell but i you know that was yeah. to me and i liked his performance and i liked his character but to me that was the only real problem with the movie was yeah. that he tried to work in something that really didn't need to be there. 
Um, that that aside, I, I really love the actor. He's such a he's he so was really good. Said, oh, yeah, oh. I mean that that yeah. was the main reason why I didn't complain that much because yes, it doesn't really belong there. No, it's not really his story to tell. But the kid's mother was mm -hmm. really good. You know, he's and, wonderful. And yeah. his and portraying this character who is black, um, as someone who you know meets this woman, you know, and has a nice life and goes on and has, uh, you know. Look, there are worse things than putting that movie out there in the world for people to see, you know? Yeah. I, I could yeah. easily recommend it to my mother and she would have loved it, you know? And and it didn't deserve a, like an F rating that they gave it. It didn't deserve to be viciously trashed after they spent all of their time trying to tell this story and she worked so hard. I mean, it just, you know, again, like, yes, if it's a terrible movie, by all means, go for it. But um, but mm -hmm. I, I, I was resentful of the fact that because he's so high status and, and all the acolytes follow him around and do what he does, that they killed that movie. And I, I got mad about it enough that I really am dreading Telluride this year in that way. Like, are they going to be back out in force ready to kill a movie just to be assholes? Like, is that really what we're going to have to sit through again? So Well, we'll be spared them trying to kill Woody Allen's film because it won't be there. So we won't see that. Oh yeah. Uh, I, cause, well, if if IFC decides not to murder or smother its own release by actually letting Julie show the pot, the, the pot of you, they won't kill that because that's a very very nourishing film from a spiritual perspective. But uh, and I can't see the, the the holdovers is about a kind of a curmudgeonly unwoke uh, college professor uh, played by uh, uh, Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. And he's kind of an asshole, and the kids don't like him. But it's a, allegedly a, quite a good relationship movie that's very well written. And, God, it's, back, and I, it's Alexander going back in his wheelhouse. So, oh my God, I can't wait. I'm so excited. I mean, he has to be one of my favorite filmmakers. And Sideways is one of yeah. my favorite movies. So I can't wait to see the two of them together again in a movie. I'm so excited about yeah. that. Um, and I can't believe that that's not going to go there. He is, he loves Telluride. And if, and if Toronto wants to wait, and say, okay, you can't open, we can't give you all the big hoopla for the first five days. You're going to have to wait until Tuesday. So right. what? You know what day of, of, of Green Book opened? It was on Wednesday, the second Wednesday of Toronto. It was the downshift, you know, the last three days. That's when it opened. It doesn't make any difference when it plays in, uh, in, in, in Toronto. They're still going to have the, the attention. They're still going to have people writing about it. And, um, you know, yes, the industry shows up as they do for most festivals they show up for four or five days and they go home but that didn't hurt green book did it i mean it, it, it didn't hurt it in church because it it i was there i i felt that movie ignite with that audience they loved it they loved it and all the fucking monster stalinist woke people who try to kill it they didn't you know i was it was one of the happiest moments in my entire history of covering movies when that movie triumphs because people simply liked it because it was a parable. It was set and true to the era of 1962. It wasn't a fucking woke movie. It was a movie about what it was like for these two guys based on actual testimony. Actual yeah, that was really, that was ugly. That, that huh? I, almost, I almost want to write a book about that green book thing because that was ugly. That whole thing was ugly. Yeah. 
And um, I know an Academy yeah. member. She's like, um, or I used to know her. She's this nice lady. She's sort of probably in her 70s now. And she told me, she goes yes. to all the Academy events, and she told me that she had voted for Green Book, but that the following year she wouldn't have voted for it because now she knows it's a racist movie. <laughs> Not silly. They had she voted, be, what do you mean? She voted for it in, she's an Academy member? Say yeah, again. she's a, an Academy member who voted for Green Book. And then, but how, what do you mean she wouldn't vote the following year? Everybody was saying it was a racist movie that year, at that, that time. I know, but she wasn't plugged into that. She's not an internet person. She's old. And, oh, uh, but, but somehow it find, found its aid. way. Somehow it found its way to her in, after the Great Awakening, and she, she got the message. That's why you're seeing the Oscars turn into what they are. Um, yeah. The Green Book moment should have been a moment of defiance for them to say, back off. We're going to pick the movies we like because we respect ourselves. But that isn't what right. they're doing. They're cowardly now, and they are voting in a defensive crouch. They're doing it like they're afraid of people attacking them. That's how they vote now. Yeah, so, yeah. And the BAFTAs were defiant last year. They were, they were defiant with their all quiet on the Western Front <laughs> uh, pick. And, um, you know... For better or worse, they got screamed at on Twitter, and so what? Everybody went on with their lives, you know? Mm -hmm. People can't hold you hostage and force you to vote for things. It's not right. Well, the quality of the voter is, uh, has really gone downhill the, 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 uh, over the last... I mean, you know, I mean, it's been in place for some time ever since SAG became SAG after. But there's yeah. some very, very unhip people who are just into nothing but identity and and gender and sex and that's that's their whole barometer it's not about how good a film is about whether it meets the criteria that they want to see and it's uh there's nothing more depressing and more deflating than what happened with everything everywhere all at once that was one of the worst things worst periods for me and if they just keep celebrating movies like that you know it's just it's revolting. Well, they, I mean, they nobody, are. Nobody... They're, they're still in, very much in this. This is how they think. You see your commenters, Jeff. Look at your commenters. Do the, is there yeah, any tiny crack in that surface of their consciousness at all? It's yeah. not. They're such yeah. true believers. And, um, and right. you know, the 1970s at the Oscars was another interesting time. Just speaking of the 1970s, like we are living through another 1970s right now. But it was a really interesting generational shift back then where you had people like... Wait a minute. Well, what do you think we're living through the 70s? The 70s is a great time for, for movies. It's certainly up until 77. What, oh, what do you yeah. mean we're living through that again? That's a good point. Forget it. We're not living through it in terms <laughs> of art because the power has shifted. Back then, the left was on the outside and they were pushing yeah. back against the conservatives. That's why art was so good. But now it's flipped. And uh, the left is in control, and they are, you know, religious in their own way with this woke stuff is just as religious as the right. But in the 70s, you yeah. had like Dustin Hoffman, and you had Jack Nicholson, and you had these people really pushing back against the conventional old fogies at the Oscars. And you can actually go back yeah. to the New York Times archives and find articles about this, how the Oscars were out of date because they had such old members and they needed all these new people to come in and this new generation to come in the Oscars and change it. And that, yeah, that yeah, new yeah. generation, they were the baby boomers and they're the ones who are on the way out now. 
But the baby boomers are all on board. Many of them are are very much into this woke thing, like William Friedkin, right? They're they're just safer. It just protects them. They don't they don't have to deal with uh, you know being attacked. So you know I understand it's a human thing to avoid rainfall, to avoid uh, uh, political repression, to avoid the you know the uglies who are out there trying to attack people. So. All right. Well, we've talked way too long. Well, listen, have a nice, have a nice 4th of July. Do you have any plans? Well, yes, I, I do have plans. I, I have plans to avoid going to any congregation of people looking at fireworks <laughs> in the yeah. sky. That's definitely a plan on, on this end. <laughs> I am driving well, up to a Tuscadero to spend the night in a hotel to avoid the fireworks because they bring so much trauma on my dog and, and I have them right out my window. Um, and they're neat. It's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because right. my window overlooks all of Burbank and they, they put them out at Burbank High School, which is right down the street. Oh. And, um, and it's really bad for Jack. He just shakes the whole time. And so... Um, when I was young, I used to love the... Uh, whenever the... Uh, if I was in a good position... Uh, you would see the explosions in the sky, which were wonderful in and of themselves. But then after it was over, the, the sound would be delayed uh, by a second or two. And you hear this wonderful roaring thump, boom, you know, after it all. And I used to love that sound. And so that was something that I found that was very intoxicating. And I was very happy about But um, it's horrible in Los Angeles to go anywhere. I remember being stuck on Sunset Boulevard one time, coming back from the beach. We were, uh, we were on the beach uh, looking at something that was being... And it was terrible. So I decided that's kind of never going to happen again. But there's, mm-hmm. it's, I love watching fireworks in Cannes when that happens, which is, which is great. It is. It's and, so nice. Uh, yeah. Love being up on Mulholland, looking at all the various... Uh, Firework shows in the valley. That's a wonderful thing. If you're if you're way up high and you're just looking at it from a distance, kind of great. So I love that. Uh, so. Yeah. Well. All right. So that's what I'm going to be doing: driving up to a Tuscadero and spending a night in hotels should be fun. But I, you know me, I'm not very right. fond of holidays. I know that's really a terrible thing to say, but just overall, I like working and I like waking up on a work day and working all day. Like that's sort of my happy yeah. place. and everything shuts down during holidays so it's not as fun but if i had a life it probably wouldn't be true but since i don't uh that's (laughs) um all right all right i hope you guys have a nice time yeah yeah thanks and you too we'll talk to you soon okay take care Bye. bye